Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? You enjoying the cold yet? Oh, my goodness. Is, is winter over? Oh, okay, fine. Hey, it's great to have you here. I hope we're heating it up. I hope you're experiencing God's love in this place in a whole new way. I'm so glad you're here. As we wrap up this message series, Impact 2022, and talk about how we believe God is moving us towards greater things. But, but, but um, before we jump into the message, let's just pray that God will open up our hearts and our minds right now. Father in heaven, we just come before you. And in this moment, we seek you. Lord, I know that everybody's coming into this building with different uh, life situations, different experiences in the moment, some good, some bad, and some in between. But Lord, right now, just may we all lay whatever's going on in our life at your feet, that we may experience you fully today in a whole new way. Lord, speak to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Truth be told, life is a series of experiences. I mean, it's kind of like a season of experiences from our childhood years to our teenage years to our college years, young adult years, to and, and, and beyond that. Life is just a series of experiences that we all go through. Some good, and let's be honest, some not so good. And every one of us are at different seasons in our life right now. And so often when we go into a new year, we hope and we pray that this will be a new season. Even if last year was a tremendous year, we hope that maybe when we turn the page of a new year, that we can experience a new season of blessings and joy and happiness. I mean, that's our hope. But so often we kind of go through the experiences of life. And more likely than not, in your seasons of life, what tends to happen is they tend to become routine. And then when your experiences just become routine, we're kind of at a cliff edge of walking down this path of mundane and ordinary. And then before you know it, your experiences that were once exciting become ordinary and mundane. And then you find yourself maybe in a little bit of a desert place. Trying to figure out why am I in this rut? Why aren't things going my way? Why is life in this situation? And so often in the desert place, we create our bucket lists. I bet every one of you has a bucket list, don't you? Things that, you know what? Before I die, I want to do this. Now, what are those bucket list items for you? And so often we develop bucket list items because, let's be honest, sometimes we go through the experience of life, things become routine, ordinary, and mundane. And it's like, I just, something to renew me. I need something different. I need to bring back the excitement. And let's be honest, this past couple of years, has been just that, hasn't it? We live in a world where we all in different ways have been kind of walking through a desert place. Life has become routine, ordinary, and, and when you get stuck in that desert place, you keep hoping that, well, when I open this door to this new experience, that it will be different, it will be exciting, it will be brand new, it will bring what I feel like I've been missing. And it seems like these past two years, we keep opening up those doors, and it's like, nope, just more desert. Nothing more exciting, nothing more great, and just more of the junk. Are you kind of there? I know I've been. I mean, I'm not going to be lying. I mean, through the past couple of years, you just find yourself in a desert and you keep wondering, where is the hope? And I'm looking for more new experiences to deliver hope in my life and I'm just not finding it. But here's the wild thing. 
When you go back to the New Old Testament and you read the stories over and over again, the people of God constantly found themselves in a desert place of experiences. I mean, the Hebrew people, when Moses led them out of Egypt, then walked right into 40 years of desert wandering. 40 years, try that on. You think two years was bad enough. And God says, I'm leading you to the promised land, but we got to go through the desert. And so often the promised land is on the other side of the desert of experiences. But guess what? Even in the desert experiences, God is constantly, every day, over and over again, showering us with his blessings. He did it for them in the desert, in the Old Testament, provide them what they needed just when they needed it. And guess what? I bet if we took a step back, as difficult, as disappointed as you may be with the experiences you may be in your life right now, I bet if you took a step back, just like those in the desert in the Old Testament, you would see in your desert place, you would soon realize, oh my goodness, every day God is showering me with his blessings. I've encouraged you many times over the past couple of weeks, and let me just encourage you again. I, I, forgive me for being a broken record, but I encourage you, if you have not done so yet, every day have a journal log of blessings. Every day, I promise you, I promise you, if you just take a step back and look, God's blessing you every single day. So when you notice those in your day-to-day -day life, in the routine, of, the routine of your ordinary, just jot down, God did this for me. It could be small, it could be huge, and everything in between, God did this today. God answered this prayer this way. God spoke to me here. God did it. I saw God do this. And I bet you will find yourself just being overwhelmed with the reality of God's goodness and how he was showering you with blessings every day. But I think so many times because of our experiences that become routine, and sometimes it's not just because of routine, but because life can be awful and challenging and disappointing. And when this junk of life slams in your face, we all find ourselves in this desert place and we all come to our knees in this desert place. And every one of us wrestles with the same exact question. It's a question that people have been asking through the ages. It's a question that you see just about every person in the Bible wrestle with. It's a question I've wrestled with, and I bet it's a question that you wrestle with. And maybe some of you are wrestling with this question right now, and that question is this. God, where are you? God, if you are who you say you are, if the Bible is really true, if the Bible is what it says it is, if all this stuff is true, where are you? Have you been there? Are you there right now? I've been in the desert many times. And many times I fell before God with that same question. God, if you're true, where are you? That's the question we all wrestle with. And guess what? Even in the New Testament, those who are closest with Jesus, who walked with Jesus for over three years, wrestled with the same question. There they are, the Messiah, right physically in front of them, and they still wrestle with God, where are you? And then John chapter 14, Jesus says, let me tell you something, guys. 
I am your source of comfort. And I'm going to heaven one day to prepare a place for you. If you follow me, I'm preparing a place for you so that I may be your source of comfort, not just now in this world, but for all eternity. I'm right here, which leads us to the question, when you're in your desert place wrestling with that question, where do you go to to seek comfort? We all seek comfort in some way. Whether you want to be honest with it or not, every one of us, when we're in the desert place, runs to something for comfort. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's your hobby. Maybe it's your job or something else. We all run towards something to try to bring comfort into our life. And in John chapter 14, Jesus is saying, I am your place of comfort. I am the experience that you need now and for all eternity, and I'm preparing something for you for now and for all eternity. In the Old Testament, in the Psalms, Psalms is a, is a beautiful thing. If you've never read through Psalms, you see, the Bible speaks to us and tells us what we need to learn and live and how we should walk in our day-to-day -day lives. The Psalms, if you read it, the Psalms is kind of like our voice to God. What's really going on inside? And I bet as you read through Psalms, you just read and experience, that's me. I have that same question. I have that same doubt. I get angry with God just like that psalmist does. You see, the psalms are kind of our words go to God. And in Psalm 34, verse 8, the psalmist in a darkened and lonely place says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. As this scripture is on the screen, I want you just to reflect on it a little bit. Examine it and realize the depths of those words. See, the psalmist says to taste and experience that the Lord is good. What he's saying is this, everything that I am, all of my being, the core of who I am, the fabric of who I am, fully experiences the reality of God. And guess what? He is good. No matter what my personal experience is at the moment, good or bad, no, how, no, how, no, no matter how difficult my personal desert place is in the moment, I see every day when I experience him, he is good. And he never fails. And then the psalmist says, blessed. You remember last week, we talked, a couple weeks ago, we talked about blessed is the Bible word for being happy. So I find my happiness, my joy in the one who takes refuge, is in taking refuge in God. And through that, I fully experience his goodness. Despite my circumstances, despite my experiences, he is good. Now, walk with me, because I think if you're like me intellectually, you're like, Bill, I get it. I'm there with you. Yeah, God's good. But when you get down to the heart level, the life level, let's just be honest. We don't always agree with what he's writing here. Because the circumstances of life, the experiences of our desert, and we just realize, I don't know if he's good. I don't even know if he's there. I don't even know if he's showing up in my life. And then before we know it, while intellectually we may get it, the reality of our hearts struggle. We struggle with it. And can I just be real with you for a moment? You're not a bad person because you wrestle with this. Every one of us wrestles with this. You're not alone. I wrestle with this when I'm in the desert place. 
But every time I found myself in the desert place and I said, God, I just need to experience you more. Every time I reflected on the blessings of daily activity that he's done in my life that I've been missing because I've been too blinded by my own personal arrogance or experiences, whatever you want to say it is. When I just took a step back and saw him over and over again, he revealed he is good. Every time. And through that, I found refuge in him. Like I said, the disciples wrestled with this. They walked with Jesus physically. There, one of his disciples, Thomas, if you don't know, he was the one that the Bible called as doubting. He was the one who was always like, yeah, but Jesus. And he's the one who always wrestled with the questions. And over and over time, he constantly wrestled with the questions of God. And here in John chapter 14, he wrestled with Jesus again. He doubted again because Jesus said, listen, I am your source of comfort. I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you if you follow me. And Thomas is like, well, that sounds all great, but how do we really know where you're going? And how do we even know how to get there? How do we know the way? And then Jesus came back to him and said, listen to me. John 14, 6. I am the way, Jesus said, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I, I'm your pathway. I am your experience. I am your source of comfort. You see, Jesus is saying, to fully experience my comfort, what I have for you is to be in me. My friends, being in Jesus is our refuge. He's our refuge. You know, refuge is that safe place. We live in a world where finding a safe place is getting harder and harder and harder to come by. I know it. And throughout the war of this world... Jesus' words constantly ring out, I am your safe place. I am your comfort. I am your refuge. And the foundation of that. You know, we read the Bible, it's like, okay, Bill, that sounds great. He's our refuge. What does that mean for me? I mean, that's great. Okay, Jesus, you're my refuge. But how do I have you as my refuge? Do you wrestle with that? Or is it just me? Weird stuff goes through my mind a lot. <laughs> you know, I dig in the, the practicality of what it means to have him as our refuge. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is the foundation of finding him as our refuge. You know, Jesus as the way means I am being in him, in his word. I am seeking to follow him. When he says, Bill, do this, I do this. When he says, Bill, this is how you need to make life choices. I strive to make life choices that way. He is my way. Jesus is the truth. That is being in Jesus. That he sets my life and my, the standards of who I am is based upon the Bible. You know, when the Bible speaks, I speak. When the Bible says do this, I do this. When the Bible says don't do this, I don't do this. And all the gray areas in the Bible, I try to dig into what is the heart of God through this so I can better understand the gray areas and what it means for me to follow. That's what I try to do. I try to live by the standards of his truth and his word. And then Jesus is the life. It means my lifestyle, my choices are based upon those standards. In my life, I live in a way to be fully immersed as Jesus, in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Being in him. 
That's what it means to be in him. And to be in him is to find that place of safety, our comfort, our refuge, the experience of a lifetime. He's my true bucket list. What about you? But at least there's some really big questions. More questions that we have to wrestle with. And maybe today I'm throwing out more questions that you probably are wrestling with, that whether you're honest with it or not, that we have to wrestle with. And it comes to this question that Jesus asked all of his disciples too on that day. Do you believe? Do you believe? You know, if we don't, What's holding us back? Just after Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he tried to answer Thomas's question. Another one of his disciples, disciples Philip, kind of circled him back around and said, okay, Jesus, that, that sounds really cool, that you are the way, the truth, and life. You're a place of comfort. But I, I want that. But how do I get there? And I can just see Jesus as he's talking with the disciples. and Maybe he chuckles a little bit. Maybe he just kind of gets a little uh, frustrated in the moment because we've been walking for three years at this point. You know, what are you not getting here? And he says, listen, what are you missing? I am what you will need. I am everything that you desire. I am with you every day. And have you not seen the evidence of me in action? I mean, You've seen all the miracles. You've seen all my teachings. You see me do some tremendous stuff. We sat around the campfire, made some wars together. I mean, we cracked jokes together. I mean, we did life together. Were you not seeing the evidence of who I am? And I think sometimes he says the same thing to us guys. Every day I'm working in your life. Jesus, every day is relentlessly pursuing you. Every day, the Son of God, the creator of everything that is, is relentlessly pursuing you. Think about that for a moment. He's saying, I'm blessing you every day. But because of your desert, because of your experiences, because of your arrogance, whatever it may be, we gloss over it. That's why write down the blessings every day that God is doing. See it what God's doing in your life. But it goes back to two, those two questions we need to deal with. The most important life questions in your life that you will ever have to wrestle with or deal with are these. And everything else from here on out does not matter until you wrestle and come to a conclusion on these questions. Because these are the most important questions of your very life. Your very existence for now and for all eternity hinges on these two questions. You cannot move forward today, this year, or your life until you stop and say, I need to wrestle through these questions. Every one of us wrestles through these questions. Every one of us. And the first question is this. Do you believe in Jesus? I mean... It sounds great. The Bible sounds cool. I mean, it sounds pretty awesome. I've seen God show up here and there. Maybe some of you have been disappointed by the church in the past. But you've got to get down to the fundamental question, do I believe in Jesus? Because until you answer this question, nothing else matters. Nothing else. This is the most important life question you will ever deal with in your life. And here's the reality. 
we got to move on beyond that too to the next question. Will you follow him? If you say, yes, I do believe in Jesus, then the follow-up question is this. Will you follow him? You see, in the New Testament, we realize in the letter that James wrote in the New Testament that even the demons believe and shudder is what James wrote. You know, the demons were the angels that went against God and walked away from God. And their future, eternal future, is in hell. Hell was created for them. But their desire and their mission and ambition in life is to pull every one of us to with them in that future. They want to manipulate your heart and your mind away from God. And so when we see that the demons even believe, then we can kind of take a step back and realize, okay, if they believe, simple belief is not sufficient. Belief needs to lead to action. That's why the second most important life question you'll ever have to answer is, will you follow Jesus? Will you follow him? And that answer opens the springboard of the direction and the trajectory of your life. And so, let's slow down for a moment before we move on. Who is Jesus to you? Do you believe him? Will you follow him? I want to take a moment for you just to, in your own personal way, to process those questions because they're so important. They're so important. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment? And I want you in your own heart, wherever you're at, wrestle with those two questions. Do I believe Jesus? And if so, will I follow him? Take a a few seconds just quietly to ponder those for you personally. Some of you may, to continue, may need to continue to ponder those. These few seconds were probably not sufficient for some of you. Maybe this opened up a can of worms in your heart. But I got to be quite honest with you. You've got to walk through those questions. You got to walk through them. Every person has gone through a, a challenging walk in their faith. And they had to come face to face with these questions. And on the other side, where do you stand? And so you all, as you wrestle with those questions, probably land in one of three camps. Some of you may land on the camp of, Bill, I believe. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and I follow him fully. And that is awesome, and I'm so proud of you and so excited for your journey to see what God wants to do continually in your life. And we're always here for you because we know there will be deserts along the way. Some of you may be over in this camp, and that is, Bill, I believe in Jesus, but I don't really know what that means. I don't really know what it means to follow him. I I really don't know what that looks like in my life. And if that's you, me and the leadership, we would love to talk to you and just help answer your questions. What does that mean for you? You know, maybe on that connect card in the seat in front of you, or if you're online, you can let the host know right now. Just put on the connect card the simple phrase, help me follow. 
and put it in the offering containers on the way out. And someone will follow up with you. And we would love to just grab a cup of coffee, lunch, or whatever, and just sit down and just talk it through. What does this mean for me to follow Jesus? What does this look like for me? I don't know how to do this. Or maybe I've tried and I messed up. And we would love to stand beside you to walk that walk with you. And don't be afraid of these questions. Don't be afraid of these questions because these are questions that are so valuable and so important for us all in our journey. Because some of you may be in the third camp. And that third camp is, Bill, if I'm going to be flat out honest with you, I don't even know if I believe. I don't know if I believe in all this stuff. Maybe you've been hurt in the past. Maybe you just have so many questions. Maybe you're experiencing things that just you feel don't line up with what the Bible says or whatever it may be. You're just like, I don't know if I believe. And I can't follow because I don't even think I believe in him or believe in what the Bible says. And if that's you, I don't want you to have to be, feel guilty because you're in that space. We've all been in this space. But don't use that as an excuse to build walls in that space. You see, we're not and God's not afraid of your questions. And to be honest, I bet a lot of times you'll find out we've had the same questions. We've had the same doubts and the same concerns. And I know myself and those in the leadership here would love if you would be open to it. If, if We'd love to sit down to you with you and just, I want to hear your questions. And I would love to walk you through those questions. What does it mean? Sometimes we're like, I don't know either. But let's journey together towards the heart of God. I would love to be there with you in that. Because we need to answer these questions. These are the most fundamental questions for us to move forward. What does it mean? Do I believe in him? And if I do, what does that mean for my life and following him? Do you need to answer those questions before anything else? You have to wrestle through those questions because I believe God is working. He's working. He's working in my life. He's working in my family's life. He's working in the life of this church and he's working in your life too. I may not know each of you individually or your circumstances, but I know the God I serve and I know what he says and what he's done in my life and I can believe he is relentlessly pursuing you and working in your life. And here's the crazy thing. There's so many blessings that God wants to shower down in your life. But you know what's holding you back from experiencing those? We don't take the step towards him. Every time in the Bible, we see God showering down blessings when the people finally take their step towards him. And not until they step towards him. You see, every step of faith is a new opportunity and a new experience with God. And you will never experience that until you take that step. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's questions, maybe it's doubts that hold you back. I know it was for me. But when I walked through those, when I dealt with my questions, my doubts, and my concerns, and I finally took that step, I also realized, oh, why was that so difficult? God was there the whole time, the whole time. I just need to take that step. You know, John, or Jesus said in that John 14 passage, just after all this dialogue with 
Thomas and Philip and answering their questions in John 14, 12, Jesus said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. You know what Jesus is saying here? In his experience, he is so closely intertwined with the Father. That's the Trinity. That's a whole other message series, okay? But he's so closely entwined with the Father. He's saying, you want to experience the goodness of the Father. I'm right here. We are one. And because I'm going there, I am your place of comfort. And through me, the more you experience me, I will do even greater things in your life and through your life. What an awesome promise that we will never experience until we take a step towards him. Take a step towards him and take a step towards him. And with every step, you experience him more and what he wants to do in your life and through your life. My friends, I believe that God is on the verge of some amazing stuff in the life of this church this year and beyond. I have seen God working in tremendous ways through the foundation of this church. I believe that we are about to see something spectacular as we approach God. And it's all about us individually and collectively making the commitment. You know what? I want to experience him more. And as I experience him more, I will find the comfort and hope that he has in my life. And then I will see it pour out of my life. And I believe that through that, God is going to do something even greater. And let me tell you something. This church has done some pretty amazing stuff throughout the years. God has moved in some amazing ways. And I believe that we are on the horizon of something even bigger and better and greater than this church has ever experienced before. He is going to move. You see, I have dreams and the leadership has dreams this year that we can increase our digital presence. Why? So that we can provide more opportunities for you and for those in our community and those throughout the world to have a daily encounter with Jesus. God has blessed the church with the opportunity with the Brazilian community who we minister to and we provide translation to during our services. But I'm not satisfied with only providing a translation for them in a service. I believe God is calling to us to something even bigger and greater to minister to the people, to their Brazilian community who's been worshiping with us over the past couple of years. I want to do bigger and greater things to minister to them, to bring hope to, into their life for Jesus. I believe God has big dreams for us to develop a program to raise up future kingdom workers and leaders of the faith. What is a kingdom worker? That is somebody who, whatever their environment is, they are living in that environment for Jesus. Whether it's work, in the community, in their home, in every environment I walk into, I am in that environment to be a source of hope for Jesus. That's a kingdom worker. And so everywhere I go, I am trying to find opportunities to be hope for Jesus. And I believe God has big plans. And I would love my dream for this church is that we be a place that raises up future kingdom workers, whether it's people who go into the corporate world, into their offices, or wherever they work, that people who go into the community, or maybe we raise up future ministers, or missionaries, or pastors, or you name it. I want to be a church that raises up leaders to, 
to advance the kingdom of God, not just in our walls, but beyond our walls. I have a dream. We have a dream for this church to be a source of kingdom workers to reach the world for Christ. And with that being said, my big, big dream for this church that will be accomplished over the years to come, I believe God put us, God put us in this place and in this time for something tremendous. And I believe that God has called us as a church to reach 1% of the community in Allegheny and Beaver Counties with the, with the hope of Jesus. Just imagine if years down the road we can look back and say 1% of Allegheny County and Beaver County came to know Jesus through the ministry of Impact Christian Church. That's my dream. But in order to accomplish that, I humbly stand before you and say it's only going to happen with the collective commitment of the body. We need you. I believe God has great things in store for us, but we need you. We're only as strong as our weakest link. And there's days that I can be pretty stinking weak. <laughs> we need you. We need you to partner with us to rise up. And so I'm here to before you saying, I believe God has great things in store for you, for us for a church, and I'm asking, will you join us? Will you run this race with us and see what God does? What does this collective commitment look like? You guys have a lot of questions. I'm glad you're asking these questions. The first is this. Collectively, we are all in in our pursuit of Jesus. We're all in in our pursuit of Jesus. That we all each make a commitment. You know what, Bill? I want to experience him in my life. And so in my life, individually and as a group, I want to run towards him. What does that mean? Well, I'm making a commitment right now that I will be at church every single week unless I'm sick. Or whether it's in service or online. And when I'm out of town, I'm going to make it a commitment that I'm going to find a church to go to. Because every week I need to be in the body. And so I'm going to make a commitment that I'm going to attend church every single week because it's important. We were created for community. We, we can't be live in isolation. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. And to be all in, I want to make a commitment that me and my house, every day we're going to have a daily encounter with Jesus. Whatever that looks like for my family, for me individually, I want to have a daily encounter with Jesus where I am spending time in his word and praying to him and listening to him. Because it matters. It matters. And I can't tell you in my life the, the stupidity and arrogance of Bill. When things happen, when I'm in my desert place, I'm thinking, Bill can fix this. And I can't fix it. I can't make it right. Oh, maybe I should go to God. And I just focus on having a daily encounter with God. And guess what happens? God shows up. Duh, Bill. We need to have a daily encounter with him. That's why we provide resources like the YouVersion app or the Right Now Media or other things. And that's why we want to increase our digital presence. Why? So we can provide more helpful opportunities that we all and those beyond our walls can have a daily encounter with Jesus. You know, the early church, this was their focus. Look what happens in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. They, that's the, the apostles and disciples, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. 
everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you see that? The more they experienced Jesus and experienced his hope, the more they were a blessing of hope to others. The more people came to know Jesus. Why? All because they focused on running towards him together, individually and collectively. They focused on pursuing Jesus in God's word. When they got together, it's like, let's dig into God's word and what God's saying to me. They had daily encounters and they collective encounters with Jesus. They focused on meeting each other's needs. And then they focus beyond themselves and how can we meet the needs of others and share hope. You know, through all this, they revealed the importance of community. My friends, we were never created to be alone. Never were we created to be alone. We were created to be in community. Isolation is one of the significant tools of the devil Because in isolation, you better believe me, the devil is going to work in your heart and in your mind. You know what's one of the most biggest tragedies that has happened this past year? One of the most horrific things. It was not the virus. And trust me, I believe the virus is real. I believe it's, it's, it's been a quite issue. I'm not downplaying the virus. But the virus was not the worst thing that happened in our world this past two years. You know what the worst thing that happened? Because of the virus, it pushed us into becoming a people who isolate ourselves. And my friends, we've become a people in our nation and in our churches and throughout the world who have completely isolated ourselves from others. And guess what? That gives the devil a foothold into your life. It has for me, and I ain't going to let him win. The Bible is very specific. You were created for community. And the more you try to follow Jesus on your own, the more the devil's going to knock you around. But when you realize the importance of community and you say, no matter what, I'm going to invest in community, God will bless you. You'll experience the blessings that he has for you. You were created for community. Don't live in isolation. That leads to our next commitment, and that is to actively participate in community. Not only am I going to pursue Jesus make a commitment to pursue him by attending service regularly and, and digging into the God's word regularly, but I'm going to make a commitment that I'm going to be a part of community because I need it. Here at Impact, we call them growth groups. Growth groups are an opportunity for us to grow in the God's word. Just everything you saw in Acts 2 that we read, that happens in our growth groups. Digging God's word together, challenge each other, keep each other accountable, meet each other's needs, and serve beyond your walls together. It's to commit to being that kingdom worker that we talked about just a moment ago. And that's what we want to see in our growth groups. So get in a group. If you're a teenager, make sure you're here every Sunday night at Impact Students. Make it your commitment to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And, challenge, and all, allow others to challenge you in your walk. We kind of take a step back and don't tell me what to do. Stay out of my life. I live my life. But guess what? That just pushes you towards isolation. But when you have people in your life who you trust, not just anybody, but people you trust, who can say, Bill, 
Um, that's not a good step. I need that. You need that to keep us on path with Jesus and help meet each other's needs. Actively participate in the community. See, I said not just be a part of community, but participate in community. It's very easy to say, well, I'm in a growth group, but I just kind of sit in the back. I kind of show up on whatever night at 7 o'clock, and I let the leader kind of guide the questions. I don't really say anything, and I go home, and I'm not really a part of it. No, I'm going to actively participate. I'm going to participate in the Bible readings. I'm going to participate in the discussion. I'm going to participate in the, in the, in the, the uh, prayer time. And I'm going to actively participate in finding out in the group, how can I meet your needs? What can I do to be there for you as you are there for me? That's actively participating in the community. That's our commitment for each other. And fi our final commitment is do your part to share hope. Do your part to share hope. Truly commit to being a kingdom worker. As a member of Impact, I hope that our commitment is that we are kingdom workers. I live beyond myself. You know, my day-to-day -day life, I live to experience his hope and share his hope. When I'm at work, I live to experience his hope and share his hope. When I'm in my home, experience hope, share hope. You see the theme? That's a kingdom worker. How are you living that out in your life? And I encourage you to participate in a ministry team. God's gifted you for something bigger than yourself. How can you use your gifts and your talents and your passion to serve God? Ministry teams is another great way not just to serve, but be a part of community. And we would love to have you a part of a ministry team here. And if you want to join a growth group, if you're not in a growth group, or you want to be a part of a ministry team and learn how you can be a part of something so amazing beyond yourself, on that Connect card, just write out ministry team or growth group. And we would love to help you get connected in one of those areas. But two more ways that we can share our hope. The first is I'm going to challenge you with what I'm calling the high five challenge. All right, put your hands up. All right, give me the air five. Let's do it because we have to do it. All right, there we go. Keep those hands up. Right, there we go. Here's the high five challenge, okay? Look at your fingers. You got five fingers, right? Hopefully. Every finger represents somebody in your life, in your line of sight, who desperately needs the hope of Jesus. There is at least five people in your life your line of sight, who desperately needs the hope of Jesus. So today, here's the high five challenge. Today, I want you to go home and I want you to write down specifically five names in your line of sight that needs the hope of Jesus. And then from, from this day forward, your commitment, you can put your hands down because they're probably getting tired, I'm sorry. From this day forward, you're committed, those five names, every single day, I'm going to commit to pray for each person. Whether I know what's going on in their life or not, I'm going to commit to praying for each person. Okay? And then I'm also praying for the opportunities that sometime in the very near future, I'm going to share my story or invite them to church or both. I'm going to share my story of what God's been doing in my life, how God transformed my life, and I'm going to invite them to church to come join me. You pray for this. God will open the door. Just pray for God to open the door. Open the, I'm not going to force the door. God, open the door. And I promise you, you pray that prayer, he's going to open some doors. And you better be ready. But pray, God, open the door. And you may go for a few weeks and God, you're not opening doors. I don't see any doors yet. If that's the case, that's okay. If that's the case, then I want you to do this. You find some way to bless them. 
I haven't, I haven't had an opportunity yet to share my story or invite them to church, but I'm going to find a way to absolutely bless them in their life. So over the next month, I want you to take some time to pray for those five names, find an opportunity to share your story or invite them to church, or if that hasn't happened, you find a way to bless them. Even if they don't know you're the one blessing them, you bless them. Watch what God will do. Will you commit to the five, high five challenge? See what God does in your life and through your life. You know, we believe that God has big things in store for us. I believe that if we together collectively make these commitments in our walk, we will experience God even more and we will experience God doing something tremendous through our life. He's on the verge of something big. But we need to make a commitment together. I'm up here asking you to join us. You know, in order for us to achieve all this, I'm not going to lie. You know, God's given us the pathway to be a blessing to others and to do these ministries also through the resources. You know, for those of you who partnered with us in the area of generosity and tithing, I thank you so much. Because God has done a tremendous things. We finished 2021 strong and opened up the doors from some great things and opportunities ministry-wise. Not just in these walls, but with our missions that we support all around the world. But to move forward, we need you. Maybe you've never thought about partnering with us in the area of generosity. And can I just humbly ask that you would join us? You know, generosity is the area for us not to, this isn't really God needs me. But this is an opportunity for us to say, God, you're my priority. And that's what I saw in my life. When I made the commitment to tithe and, and give on a regular basis, I saw God open up the doors that, Bill, guess what? I will always take care of you. You have a chance to walk with me. It, it opens the door to more intimacy with God. Because he's the, one who, he's the one who takes care of my steps. Not Bill. I'm a control freak. But it's not Bill. It's always been God. And tithing has opened that door for me to understand that more and more and more. And God uses that to be a part of his ministry. And I just think it's such a great honor for me and for us to be a part of God's mission in this world and to this church. And so will you join us in the area of generosity? If you haven't yet, try it for 30 days and see what God does in your life in those 30 days. I promise you, he's not going to fail you. He's not going to fail you. But just see what God does in your life. Will you partner with us? There's ways that you can give uh, by dropping the offering containers online, uh, in the back of the auditorium, or you can go online to impactpittsburgh.com and you can see how you can give um, digitally as well. But I just want to thank you. And I humbly ask, will you join us? Will you partner with us in these areas of commitment and see what God does in your life as you experience him more? And see what God does through us collectively as a church. I believe he's, we're in store for some amazing things. God is on the move. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for how good you are. And right now we just run towards you. Lord God, just may we experience you more and more and more every single day. And Lord, through that experience of you, walk us through our desert places. And use us to be a source of hope and blessings to others. Lord, through our efforts and through us just simply just being in you and experiencing you, may we be such a source of hope and light that draws other people into a life with you to experience you. 
Lord, we praise you because you are good. It's in your name we pray. Amen.